Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's hour number two of our show. I know that a lot of you who are out there are uh, saying, Craig, where's all the fantasy baseball content? Well, um, we've been covering it here for months on Fantasy Sports Today, but given the fact that the fantasy baseball season is so uncertain, uh, Joe and I just kind of figured, yeah, we'll mix in some fantasy baseball talk, but amongst everything else that's happening in the world as well. I mean, how many times can we deliver uh, the same what's and ifs and maybes with this so uh, over the weekend though some things you know kind of did happen a little bit as Mm -hmm. we're starting to see some of the general managers and some of the executives talk a little bit about their different players and we thought at least for this segment today we'll focus on the fantasy value of a couple of different players on the Atlanta Braves and before Mm -hmm. we do that Joe um, you know let's let's kind of get into this conversation here a little bit Atlanta in the offseason ended up adding Marcelo Zuna. They put him in the mm-hmm. outfield. They added Will Smith. They'll put him in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas Keuchel uh, went to the Chicago White Sox. They missed out on him, so right. they went to Cole Hamels. Um, Cole Hamels ended up getting hurt at the start. So um, the Braves were a really good team last year. It doesn't seem like they had to add a lot this offseason, but the one position that's really curious for them is the third base position here in 2020, and that was a really uh, part of an open competition that they had in spring training. And their vice president and general manager, Alex Anthopoulos, over the weekend basically said that that competition was still undecided, hmm. but that both Austin Riley and Johan Camargo would have ended up making the team. Um, two years ago, Camargo was a star for the Braves. He had a really good year as a utility player slash starter. Right. And then last year, Joe, Austin Riley came up, and he was baseball's hottest hitter for about two months. And then it just completely went the other way for him. So right. we could kind of start off with there, your thoughts uh, on the Braves, some of the things they did in the offseason, and then we'll get into this third-base battle. I li- listen, I still think the Braves should be a, uh, should be a favorite there to win the, the National League East. You've got to love the, uh, the pitching. Uh, you've got to love the, uh, the bats. I do think between both of these guys, I mean, the fact that they were and said that they were both willing to bring these guys, no reason to leave one of them in Florida, that we're going to keep them on the, uh, we would have had them on the roster uh, getting ready to play this year. I think that says a lot about what the organization thinks about these two guys. Losing Josh Donaldson, losing that power and that production, obviously uh, not great for them. And But one of these two guys, in hopes and in reality, we've seen them both at certain times be able to deliver um, and I think one of them, if not both of them, which would, you know, that's not a bad problem to have uh, if they continue to play the way they were playing, certainly in, the, in what we had of a spring training, not a bad problem to have. But I don't think you can look at the Braves and think, um, yeah, this is a team that necessarily takes a step back this year. Uh, Donaldson is a big loss, but I think uh, one of these two guys will be able to fill in rather admirably. Yeah, and Ozuna goes to left field. Remember, Riley last year played some left field, Mm -hmm. and now they're going to move him to third base. So now let's take a look at at the comparison between these two players from last year. And and look, uh, both of them struggled at times. Uh, Riley, as I mentioned, I mean, you see the numbers there, 18 home runs. He had Mm -hmm. like 12 in the first three weeks of his big league career. And and then the strikeouts started piling up, and the playing time started going down. They started playing Camargo a little bit more, and he was fighting through injuries as well. But what people don't realize about Camargo, Joe, is that, and you see the numbers there, seven home runs, 32 uh, runs driven in, a 233 batting average, 279 uh, on base percentage. In 2018, Johan Camargo hit 19 home runs, 76 RBIs, Mm -hmm. a 349 on base percentage, an 806 OPS. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes this happens. We see this, Joe, with different players is that, Sometimes they result well with competition. Sometimes it goes the other way. Yep. And in Camargo's case, I thought that he proved that at the very least he could be, well, let, let's say if they play six baseball games in a week, he could be a four or five day player a week kind of guy. Right. Uh, he was crushing spring training. Yep. But unfortunately, uh, spring training ended kind of prematurely. But to hear that Anthopolis said, 
that both guys would have made the team, you know what that tells me? I think I'd probably stay away from both these guys in fantasy because that means that both of them will probably play a lot. And <laughs> you want one guy at that position in your fantasy draft. You don't want somebody getting 300 plate appearances. You want five or 600. Yeah, Camargo being the, uh, obviously, the switch hitter of the crew um, makes it a little uh, a little interesting there. And uh, Riley, his big thing was 40% of his at-bats ended up in strikeouts last year in his rookie season. Uh, that's not going to get it done. But uh, like you said, his uh, so far his spring was 10 for 28, two homers, two doubles, four RBIs. But most notably, guys, he only struck out five times. Yeah. So that to me was the was a big, big uh, notice there. And obviously the brass noticed that uh, if he can cut that down, uh, with his ability there, maybe just to put the bat on the ball a little bit more often. I, I think it's two great weapons to have, but from a fantasy standpoint, I'm with you, Craig. I, no thanks, because that's uh, that's got burn written all over it. Yep, it's got burn written all yeah. over it. And even if, if Riley would make the team and start mm -hmm. at third base, his leash is very short. short. Exactly. And then Camargo could come in, and his leash probably is even shorter if he becomes the starter. That's and so right. there's not really room in the outfield anymore with Ozuna playing nope. left field. So uh, someone's going to have to ride the pine there, and, mm -hmm. and certainly Camargo could get his fill-in at-bats at shortstop for Swanson when he has a day off. Right. He could get the fill-in at-bats at second base, although Ozzy Albies doesn't seem like he ever needs a day off. Maybe he can get those there. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but neither of them really uh, all that touted, I think, in fantasy going into the season, if there is a season. But um, right. you know, certainly wanted to touch on that from over the weekend. And one of them could end up in, in AAA. So that, you know what I mean? If somebody feels at that they need point. to at some yeah. point. And but, then... but you know what? See, that's the problem for me with this, is that all things being equal, uh, if Alex Anthopoulos had come out over the weekend and said that, then I would feel good throwing a dart on right. one of these two players. But the fact that both are going to make the team, which yep. is what he eventually he said, yep. I mean, then you're you're just waiting to see. And by the way, if one struggles in the big leagues, then yep. then they go down. The Myers may not see him again for a while. Right. So, yep. uh, not a clear situation for sure coming out of third yep. base in Atlanta. By the way, speaking of the Braves, you know, at this point with everything that they did in the off season, of course, there's still a lot of uncertainty. You look at the NL East, and I mean, there's really no clear cut favorite um, right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Braves are plus 185 to win the NL East. The Nationals are plus 250. So, I mean, a, you know, more or less even there. Uh, Mets a, a tick down, 3-1 to one at plus 300. And the Phillies are plus 330, which tells you 3-1 to one as well. And look, there's still a lot of uncertainty as far as what the season is going to be, how it's going to be, and, and how it will all play out. But, Joe, when I just look strictly at the NL East, it looks like, at least on paper, or at least according to uh, what FanDuel is telling us, that this has a chance to be arguably the most competitive division in baseball. I think it's going to be the most competitive division in baseball. I mean, look at what, between what Atlanta brings back, you've got the defending world champion, Washington Nationals. You've got the Mets who seem at least on paper poised to, even though they lost, uh, you know, Syndergaard here, but still the Mets are capable of making some noise, even with, uh, even with that pitching. Um, you know, the only team that we are probably going to be scratching our head, well, we, you know the team we're going to be scratching our head about there, Craig, but uh, even them, I think, or even the Marlins, I think, are going to be a lot more competitive this year than they were last year, especially with all of those arms, those, uh, those young arms that they've got coming on there. You know, Mattingly is going to have these guys ready to compete, so, and if it's going to be even a more truncated type of, uh, of season, which is what we're anticipating, Heck, anything can happen. Anybody can catch fire. So I think the bookmakers are telling us everything you need to know about the National League East, including, yeah, guys, this, this really could be the Phillies, the Braves, the Nationals. Heck, even if the Marlins go on a hot streak in an abbreviated, set, uh, an abbreviated year and the season, anything is possible. It really is. Yeah, and, and look, the thing that, that I take away, especially from the odds, is that there just isn't a lot of value on any yeah, of these well, teams. Yeah. I, mean, you're, I mean, you're talking about basically Atlanta, Washington, New York, and Philly, and you're not even getting a 4-1 to one or 5-1 right. to one on any of these teams to win. And I think that that's the way that if you're the book, you got to play it at this point. I mean, you, you, no one has any clue. I mean, you bring up the Marlins. I mean, certainly they're a long shot in terms of winning division whether it's a 50-game season, 100, or 100-game 50, but yeah, or 150-game season, but yeah, they're going to be a bigger factor in a shorter season than they would be in a longer season, and who knows? Like, maybe the Orioles even can step up yep. 
April and September are bizarre months. What would be the April and September of a 2020 baseball season? No one really knows for sure. Yep. Uh, well, one thing that we, we also have discussed and we know is that the Boston Red Sox in 2020 looked like uh, you know, kind of a shell as to how they've looked in the past. And um, you know, certainly, historically, the Red Sox have done a great job winning mm -hmm. all the World Series that they've won. But a report over the weekend from the Boston Globe, uh, Joe, pointed to the fact that out of spring training, they were anticipating Jose Peraza being their starting second baseman and not Michael Chavis. And I can tell you right now that anybody who did any kind of fantasy draft, whether it was January, February, March, or even in April, everyone anticipated Chavis being the guy at second base. Now, he can play a little bit of first base also, but Peraza's been that guy, Joe, that mm -hmm. gets drafted every year in the middle rounds of fantasy, meaning in a 25-26 round draft, 11th round, 12th right. round, because those tantalizing stolen bases that we're just not getting from anyone. But he has yet to live up to that potential. The Reds essentially let him go completely. Mm -hmm. Man, I don't know what kind of signal it sends to go with a DFA guy playing second base on a team that just won the World Series two years ago. I caught that as a surprise. Yeah, and, and that's the biggest part about drafting any of the Red Sox. I mean, outside of J.D. Martinez, right? Um, who you got, guys? Because nobody knows exactly what this season's going to be all about, especially on a shortened season, 120, 180 games. This could strictly be a season for the Red Sox to be like, let's take stock of what we got. What do we got in the minors? This could be a rotation of a bunch of guys where, you know, you go and you uh, you start drafting some of these uh, Red Sox players. They, they might be platooning every other day, Who, especially with double headers a week now. The Red Sox, to me, are just one of those teams where outside of J.D. Martinez and even that, um, because we don't know what's in front of him. We're not really sure what's going to be behind him and how he is being set up. Uh, it, it, to me, it's a coin flip with, with the Red Sox this year. You just don't know how serious they're going to be and if this is strictly a, an audition of sorts for a lot of these guys. Yeah, they're strong at, at you know, having uh, Xander Bogarts, right. Martinez, and Devers. I mean, they're, they're more or less strong. But what was so great about the offense of the Red Sox when you were attacking them from a fantasy perspective over the last few years is that that lineup had a lot of length. Like, right. you knew that they could go seven, eight guys deep. I mean, they had Jackie Bradley batting ninth on that team. And, right. and, and that's not to say that Jackie Bradley is, you know, an elite outfielder in fantasy or reality, but he's still a guy that can hit 15 home runs, play good defense, steal some bases as well. And they basically buried him at the bottom of the lineup and said, look, just give us defense. We really don't even care about the offense from you. And now uh, they're in more of a position to try and generate offense. But by sending this message, it tells me that I'm not even sure what their plan is or if they even really know if they have a plan. So, um, you know, definitely for those of you who are crazy enough to do a draft right now, I guess bump Peraza up a little bit because the Globe is covering them and they covered them in Fort Myers every day. Right. They definitely see the light. But, yeah, I mean, I'm still in on Bogarts. I'm still in on J.D. Martinez, and I'm still in on Devers. But I would guess that those three guys' RBI numbers are going to come down significantly. Look, yeah. they were all batting right after Mookie Betts. Well, that's and it's amazing, isn't it? Because how many times have we seen that? That one guy setting the table for a whole heck of a lot of other guys. And I don't know. Did anybody see Devers really having the kind of year that he had? You know how hard it is to be able to put that back-to-back -back on a – on a team that is kind of in transition, I, I don't know what we're going to get from him either. To be completely honest with you, Sorry, look that that look that was an outlier. Right. No one really had that coming. Um, it, it'll be a tougher position for him to be mm -hmm. in. But having JD Martinez, who is arguably a coach on the field, also is right. one of the most professional hitters in the game. So I don't really worry about those guys too much. But again. Uh, most leagues are still incorporating runs batted in in fantasy leagues, and if you are, I think you got to expect a dip in, in, yeah. uh, in all those three. And even if it's 10 15%, you know that that's coming, so you have to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, uh, classic games on TV, home run derbies. I'm playing in simulated leagues, of course. Uh, I got another draft on Monday night, the 1990-99 league, but i got to tell you, Joe, I'm wearing thin on watching uh, players play video games at this point. Like, I, I'm just going to wait till this thing starts. I think I'm over. It's only been two weeks. You know what it is? It's hard, too, because you and I, we talked about it, you know, during the week last week about this idea of maybe uh, extra innings uh, get decided by home run derbies. And, you know, we're kind of looking at each other going, you know, at this point, uh, like, listen, worry about that down the road. Like, if you finish the game, whatever it is, it is. But the idea of 
clicking into home run derbies like it's a video game is just not uh, like I, I'm going to have a hard time with that. I love the concept and the idea, but then again, if you actually realistically do that, do those home runs count? By the way, to your to your season in a home run derby, like I don't I don't even know how that works. So to me, I think it it's a lot of people talking right now. But leave the video games for the video games and let baseball be baseball. I racing. That's the next. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly. the next thing. And, and by the way, they they said that that's going to be legal in Las Vegas. Yes. Uh, legal to bet in Las Vegas. I mean, I got to figure out even what that is to be able to do it for sure. So books are going to have to bet on something. All right. I mean, the books are going to have to start putting lines out on something. There's no way around it. I guess so. Um, yeah. The uh, MLB Network showed uh, all of the home run derbies for the last six years all day long from yeah. 10 a.m. all the way through the night. They. Uh, oh. they they ended up showing that. Yeah, so. but I, you know, to me, you go back to the old Shell days where they used to have like the Shell World of Sports, where they'd have two guys like Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, would be two guys in the field, no fans, and they'd interview them right in between yeah. bats. The old black, you remember how great that was? I mean, to me, that was, yeah, g- give me that, you know, especially in this day of social distancing, I'll take more of that. Yeah, any anything is better than nothing at this point. Yes. And we certainly are trying to deliver everything to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up a little bit later in the show, uh, we're going to dive into um, the classic stadiums. Uh, we'll go and take a look at one football stadium and one baseball stadium that definitely had its fair share of history. Uh, speaking of football, by the way, uh, late last night, I uh, just want to pass along this. Uh, unfortunately, another uh, player in football passed away. Bobby Mitchell, Hall of mm-hmm. Famer, 84 years old, former running back of the Washington Redskins. Uh, uh, passed away at 84. Unfortunately, Tom Dempsey and Bobby Mitchell uh, passed away on the same day. So I want to send our condolences, of course, to Bobby Mitchell's family. But coming up next, we dive into the uh, historical part of sports, the stadiums. One football, one baseball. You'll have to stay tuned to Sports Grid because that's coming up right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Ranieri. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. We're going to be shaking it up on Sports Grid, coast to coast, in-game live. We're going to talk about action, talk about the games, talk about the money lines, the spreads, the teasers, the reverses. There's only one, the world's most famous, the Mecca the Hub. It's beautiful, isn't it? We have action on every game, every night. We got the skinny, the scoop, and the final word for you on Sports Grid. Everybody else pales in comparison. You're soft, we're not. This is New York, baby. Burrell, coast to coast, 4 to 6 p.m., only on Sports Grid. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Ranieri here with you. As every day, what we're doing is spending a little bit of a moment in time and going back and talking about iconic stadiums and the players that played in them, the amount of championships that they ended up winning. Last week on the show, we talked about Lambeau Field. Mm. We talked about Wrigley Field. And, you know, I wonder, Joe... um, you know, today we're doing another baseball and another football, and I'm sure we could do college football as well. Sure. Um, how, how many stadiums would you consider iconic in the NBA? Is that is that something that we should dive into? Or, I'm or thinking the just, Garden, uh, both gardens, that's, Boston that's, and New York. Um, right? Is that it? Yeah, I mean, the Staples Center, but uh, yeah. always play there. Forum? So, the Forum. Um, yeah, you know, Miami didn't play in AAA, uh, until it was built. So no, there's, there's only a handful really. Yeah. That, that are truly iconic. I think as co- far as college I has more of them, right? Yes, Duke, absolutely. Duke and, uh, North Iba arena. Uh, yeah. When you start going down, Indiana. you know, field town. Yeah. There's, there's some class. Rock chalk. Yeah. That's a good one. Yep. All right. So, uh, our two stadiums that we're going to do today, one football, one baseball, since we did the Packers and then everyone got mad that they wanted their rival. I'm just kidding. Nobody got mad, but we'll pretend like everybody got mad to make it make sense for this segment here. So 
Uh, let's take a look at uh, our iconic stadium for the day in football. And today it is Soldier Field, which opened up in 1924, home of the Chicago Bears. Uh, about, uh, about 10 years ago, they renovated Soldier Field. They, they were thinking about building a new stadium, but instead they just kind of modernized it. And they added more luxury boxes, which is a smart way to go. Bears fans among the most passionate in the NFL. They show up for all their games no matter what. And in terms of Super Bowl championships, shockingly, they only have the one. Crazy, In 1986, right? from the yeah. 1985 season, that is it. Now, of course, they went back to the Super Bowl a couple of different times, but they didn't end up winning a championship. And Joe, uh, before we get to the certain players that are in the uh, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame and also some of the iconic players that played on the Chicago Bears, it does seem to me that the Bears probably would be considered one of the greatest franchises in the NFL, but underachieving yeah. to a degree, yeah. right? They probably yeah. should have won more. Yeah, yeah. and when you even just think of that one year they won, how did they not repeat? That was pretty much the same team, and, uh, and that's where the Super Bowl curse comes into play here. It is not easy to go back-to-back, guys, in, in any sport, but even so football because the personalities on that team, um, you know, they ran over everybody except for Miami. Marino was the only one to beat them that one year. Of the, one of the greatest football games ever. Ever, right? Ever of all yeah. time. But you think from Buddy Ryan, who, you know, telling Ditka, you know, keep your ass on that side. Don't you worry about what we're doing over here on defense. And you talk about McMahon and, and you go down Singletary. And you had personalities in that team where after winning it, man, that was going to be really hard to keep that under a lid. Man, this they had their own Super Bowl shuffle before they before they won the damn Super Bowl. Right. It's like, come That's on, right. man. Yeah. That was that was tough. But under and look, McMahon and McMahon, while he was really good, I mean, he was more of a game manager, yes. even though that he got hurt in subsequent seasons. Yes. And he and he went on to play, by the way, with uh with the Packers even after that. Yep. Play with some other teams too. Yep. You're right, Joe. Like you look back on it now, and the Bears, even though they, I believe they got to the NFC Championship they the did. following year, yep. they probably should have accomplished a lot more in that 80s era, and then even in, as we'll talk about, in the Urlacher era, Correct. You know, they, they didn't really, I mean, they got to the Super Bowl, they didn't win it, of course, against the Colts, but um, let's dive into some of the iconic players that played uh, on the Chicago Bears, and uh, and look, uh, Walter Payton is, when you when you talk about the Bears, you associate it with Payton for sure, Yep. but going back in time, any time that you mentioned defense, and I know that's gone away from it over the last decade or two, but Dick Butkus was like the picture of defense, like yep. if you wanted to paint a, a player that was defense, it was Dick Butkus and it was Lawrence Taylor for sure, and Butkus, a pro football Hall of Famer. Uh, Gail Sayers, some people thought would have been the best running back of all time had yep. he not had his injuries. Uh, late in his career, the seasons that he put up with the Bears when he was healthy were among the best of all time at the running back position, also a Hall of Famer. Uh, Ditka, not only the coach, people forget, was also a great tight end yeah. for many years with the Bears as well. So he, of course, is an iconic Bear and has to go on this list. Walter Payton, once upon a time, the all-time leading rusher in the NFL, passed away way too soon. Mike Singletary, who you mentioned earlier, without a doubt, one of the most intimidating players on the other side of the field at linebacker, considered one of the best linebackers of all time, yep. and a former head coach of the San Francisco 49ers as well. Uh, Richard Dent got into the Hall of Fame over the last decade, too. People forget how good he was. He was the Super Bowl MVP, yep. uh, Richard Dent. He was fantastic in that Super Bowl twenty. And then uh, since then, look, it's it hasn't been an embarrassment of riches. It's been more of an embarrassment, to be honest with you. Yep. Uh, but Brian Urlacher is the one that probably stands among the rest. Also, somebody that when he was on uh, the other side of the field, you wanted to stay away from him and was probably in an era of the linebacker. When you think about it, Brian Urlacher, Derek Brooks, yep. Ray, Zach Thomas, we had some ridiculously good linebackers for about a 10 year period. But think about that. Since Super Bowl 20, Joe, all we could come up with for iconic Bears players is Urlacher. Okay. That's the problem. Yep. Yeah, and, and that is a, a problem, Craig, because when you look at the names on this list, I mean, you know, Butkus, Sayers, Ditka, Peyton, Singletary, Dent, there are guys we didn't even get into, like Willie Galt, and, you know, you start talking about just pure, uh, pure Hall of Fame, iconic figures for Monsters of the Midway, and then there's Urlacher, and then I dare you to tell me another quarterback, I mean, I dare you to come up with somebody. 
Cutler, like, I, you know, all I can picture uh, is after, even during Erlacher was, you know, you got Cutler riding the bike in a playoff game, you know what I mean? That, that's like all I can ever remember, it, total dysfunction, uh, then they go ahead and draft Trubisky, like, it's just been one comedy of error after the other with this franchise, for a franchise who for every decade, um, I mean, from the 50s straight up, has just been as relevant as there is. Uh, and one of the most feared groups, certainly from a defensive standpoint, that we've ever seen. And we've got nothing. Even with Khalil Mack, was supposed to start this whole new era. And we're not even close to being there right now. No. No. I mean, Neil Anderson, I think, was a, a player that played at a high level for the Bears right. uh, for a period of time, for sure. But you're right, man. It has been really hard to find anybody offensively and great players uh, defensively. Uh, Charles Tillman was a really was a really good yeah, player for the Bears not, too, yep. defensive back, but mm-hmm. not not uh, players that come to mind for sure. Uh, Devin Hester uh, played very well for the Bears. Um, you know, we got to mention Fridge, right? Yeah, Refrigerator Perry, even though he wasn't the best player ever, like he's got to be on a list of of Bears we'll always remember at some point, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But it was it was usually for a long period of time. I mean. It was always defense. We never really got yeah. that extraordinary. Even with the, the championship team, that was all. You think of the Bears' defense. You don't think of the offense. As great as Peyton was, it's all defense with Chicago. It always has yeah. been. It always has been. Yep. So, yeah. Always yep. been their defense for sure. All right. So that's uh, our discussion on the Chicago Bears. And we'll come up with an iconic stadium for you guys in the NFL tomorrow to go over some of the uh, teams and their history as well. But for now, let's go back to baseball. We'll find another cathedral. This is the probably one of the easier ones on the board. If you want to see our discussion on the uh, Chicago Cubs and Wrigley Field, we did that last week. Just go back and check it on demand. You can find it there. For today, let's take a look, uh, Joe, at Rig- at excuse me, Fenway Park, which opened up in 1912. Of course, the home of the Boston Red Sox, and they did win championships in 1915 and 16 and 18. And no one ever is going to remember that stuff. Babe Ruth was on uh, one of those teams. But they, the World Series championships that people remember certainly was not having won one for a billion years mm-hmm. and then winning in 2004. That was the big one. And then, of course, they won in 2007, 2013, and 2018. And that's just kind of shocking when you when you look at that. Because, Joe, for, for us coming up in the media and working and doing our radio shows, it was always talking about the Cubs and the Red Sox never having won a World Series, right? The lovable losers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the Cubs got one. But, man, the Red Sox pulled off a lot of World Series championships over the last 15, 20 years. And so even though 2020 may be a shell of the team that we're used to, they certainly did accomplish a lot on the field, uh, especially over the last few yep. years. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I, I just really impressive run of good wins. Yeah, and when you think about that, that's four championships in, in 15 years here, guys. I mean, they have been just absolutely – Uh, And it's very interesting the way they did it. Is it not, you know, starting with that first one in 2004, the uh, that comeback down 3-0 against the Yankees and Johnny Damon and company, and then you know uh, they go out. They're they're the complete antithesis of the clean-cut Yankees, right? Then they, you know, the Yankees go out and do what they do. They they just like okay, Damon will you know come on over, and they they battled, and then the Yankees went away. Um, you know, for the last decade here, and all of a sudden, you know, the Red Sox did their thing. But uh, it's amazing how cyclical it has become here, and especially with these two. You can go 100 years without winning a championship, and then in a 15-year period, get four of them. Uh, and, and I do believe with different guys at the helm. Am I, am I correct? Sure. And, and not, only, not only that, but think about this for a second, Joe. And we, we've talked about this on a previous show. Dave Dombrowski, the architect, yeah. essentially of the 2008 team doesn't 2018 team doesn't even get to last into 2020 yep, yep. because of the because of the bigger contracts that he gave out yep. it's uh it's insane so yep. um have you ever been to Fenway Park Joe uh yes Fenway I have uh been to it's uh it was one of my uh uh first older parks to to go to and uh, yeah it was I, not at all what you expect, especially after you've been to some of the newer parks. You go to like Camden and stuff, and it's like, oh, this is beautiful, nice. You know, everything's new. It's great. And then you go to Fenway, and it's so historic walking around the stadium there trying to get into it. And then once you get in, and then when you go to sit down, you're looking at the seats. Like, it's just like, 
little right. ass people that uh, that apparently uh, used to sit in those seats there because I I mean in there wherever they had a seat they like packed it in and uh, you know that was it I mean you're sitting behind a pole you can't see anything you got to lean left or right it's kind of crazy uh, but nothing. And that's the other problem that you have with like the Wrigley's and the and Fenway is that at what point, how do you modify it, update it, but keep you it? Can't. I don't think you can. I just you don't think you can, man. No. They've still got dudes putting the, putting the score up outside. You know what I mean? Inside. I, 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 we, we, you know, I forgot to ask you about Soldier Field. They passed over that. I have never been to Soldier Field in Chicago. No, no, no. I've not been to Soldier Field, which uh, Chicago, no. no a lot of, it, usually it's, uh, it's so damn cold there by the times you can go watch something there, but um no i have not but again you go to you go to there or you go it's very hard to update or modernize a park that is so his you ruin the whole field i i don't know what else you can do to tell you the truth except change the lights i don't know what you can do yeah no not much no doubt no um all right so iconic players for the boston red sox this was hard to put this list together but oh. i did my best here so i'm sure i left somebody off uh, Ted Williams, when it when you start with the Red Sox, it kind of starts and ends with Ted Williams for sure. Uh, I didn't put Babe Ruth on here because I felt like he's a more iconic Yankee and I didn't want to upset the Yankee fans. So there you go. Ted Williams, number one. Yaz, triple crown winner, number two, no question. Carlton Fisk actually did play longer with the White Sox than he did with the Red Sox. Yep. But he is a Hall of Famer and he played a decade with Boston and, and has some iconic moments with them, so I included him on the list. And by the way, in the Hall of Fame on his bust, it is a Boston Red Sox cap. So mm -hmm. uh, Fisk makes the list. Wade Boggs as well from the 80s. Got to include him. 3,000 hits. Hall of Famer, even though he went to the Yankees yep. and won a World Series. Still accomplished a lot as a member of the Red Sox as well. Um, Don't forget the then, Rays. He was a devil, Ray. And, and he was a 98 Ray. He was a 98 Ray. Crazy. Uh, Roger Clemens uh, uh, winning all kinds of games with the Red Sox, taking them to the World Series in 1986, 20 mm -hmm. strikeouts in a game with the Red Sox as well. Pedro Martinez, Cy Young Award winner, World Series champion, strikeout winner, ERA winner, had two of the best seasons of all time in 1999 and 2000. Manny Ramirez as well had a phenomenal career with both Cleveland and Boston, but I got to put him on here yep. because if he ever does get in the Hall of Fame, which seems to be questionable, but if he ever did get in the Hall of Fame, he's going in as a member of the Boston Red Sox. And then what would a Red Sox list be without David Ortiz? Right. So, so those are the ones that I came up with, Joe. It's interesting, that and, list. Steroids, steroids, steroids. There's a lot. <laughs> it's like, there, oh. There's a lot. <laughs> There's what a, a lot. different list that is. <laughs> and, and and by the way, the uh, the manager of the Boston Red Sox yeah. is not going to be there this year because of a different kind of uh, cheating, for sure. So, you know who I left off here? I kind of felt bad about it. I kind of felt bad about it. I probably should have put Nomar on this somewhere. Oh, list. always played second fiddle to A-Rod and Jeter, didn't it? That whole and, era. And they traded him in yeah. 2004. He didn't win the World Series with them. So That was rough. I, I feel bad about that, yeah. but... And no they traded with the here. Dodgers, didn't they? He went to the, uh, was it the Dodgers he went to? or uh, First it was the Cubs. Cubs, then it, yes. Yep. And then he went to L.A., now he's now a broadcaster. Yes, yeah, and actually but, pretty good, yeah. Yeah, very yep. good, a rookie of the year, too. Yep. Uh, Dwight Evans is another oh, one. Oh, yeah, him and Freddie Lynn out there in that era, Jim Rice. Yes, and, yep. um, yeah, so, you know, there was a couple that I left off here, but certainly... Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Red Sox have no shortage of iconic players. You didn't put Calvin Chiraldi on there, I'm shocked. No, yeah. Bob Stanley didn't make the list either. Buckner? No, he didn't. Come on. Did we... <laughs> Why you got to do that to Red Sox fans? We're not, we're not struggling enough out here. Just saying, man. Just throwing it out there. It to Pretty Red iconic, Sox. if you ask me as a Yankee fan. Pretty iconic, I'm just saying. Are you a Yankee fan? Yes, I am. A, I'm a Yankee fan, but how did you not like the 86 Mets? How did you not like the so in So in 2004, you were freaking out pretty much? Yes. Yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't good. I wasn't good for like three years after that. It was rough. And then I swore it'll never happen again. And Red Sox just keep on winning. But now the Yankees have the Exactly. Yep. They'll, they'll own the next decade, and then it'll it flip. That's what I mean. The cyclical nature of it is kind of, it's kind of crazy. I mean, the Yankees had the 90s, right? Then, uh, then the 2000s really was the beginning of it for the next 15 years for the Red Sox. Have it just really been was. Dominant, man. Dominant. Yep. Give him a lot of credit. Yep. All right. We'll uh, take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. We got uh, one more segment to go for you guys here. 
And don't forget, we got programming 24-7 here. A little bit later on, you'll hear from Scott Farrell. He's got his show coming up coast to coast, so make sure you stay tuned to that in-game live. And you can catch uh, Joe and Dane right back here tomorrow as well for the early line as well as the morning after. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today right after this. Don't go away. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show as we close out our program for this Monday, April 6, 2020. Of course, Joe and I will be right back here tomorrow talking about yep. all the latest in sports, including our This Day in Sports, iconic stadiums, and anything that you guys have on your mind or girls who are watching the show, let us know, at SportsGrid for sure. Let me know, too, at Craig Bish. We'll go ahead and fire those off for you. Uh, some people have asked me uh, on social media what I think about the athletics report about Major League Baseball returning and potentially playing to no fans mm-hmm. in July in Arizona. Yeah. And I know that uh, Barstool Sports actually had a follow-up to that, saying that they had heard it was going to happen, too. I, I, I got to tell you, Joe, like of all the things that I've heard, and, and, it, and by the way, Ken Rosenthal did a really good job of mm-hmm. just mildly reporting this, saying that it's not a done deal, it's just something that's being talked about. So I don't want to make like this as fact. But I got to tell you, of all the ideas that I've heard, with with due respect to this one, this seems to be the worst one of all. Like, I mean, you have 30 teams playing in, in 12 stadiums in front of no one. Right. You can't play any day games in Arizona in July yep. or August or September. Yep. Like, none. You can't even consider it. There's no domes. Nope. Except for Chase Field, and that's not spring training. Nope. I, I mean, we'll be watching because there's nothing else on. But... I mean, there's, and people won't want to hear this, Joe, but there's like a small part of me that would say, you know, maybe just don't do it if right. that's what it comes down to. And right. I hate to say that because I don't want to pour water over anybody on the baseball season happening. I want to have, I want it to happen, but I also want it to be somewhat enjoyable to watch. Right. And, and baseball in spring training stadiums is just that, like it's exhibition. And I just, nothing about that sounded really good to me. You know, the the idea that we were talking about with Vegas and having them play the NBA in one spot, like in the playoffs and there's 16 right. teams, like, I mean, there's some there's some credibility to that. And, you know, it's a it's a closed environment. But I, I, I don't know. I, I read the story and I was like, man, I just hope this doesn't happen. I'm not for it. Well, you're talking about now expanded rosters. So, I mean, it works in the NBA because you got 11 guys on a team. So you can do that with Major League Baseball. When you consider the you know the entourage that has to show up and 30 teams with 30 teams Uh, i mean they're saying arizona i believe because of the proximity of how the fields are right that makes sense that i get that florida we as you guys may or may not know it is all spread out you got some in south you got them on the west coast you got them up north you've got them in all different areas geography so i get it um but you know, you got to bring in Major League Baseball is talking about then being responsible for not only the teams, the umpires, uh, the staff, the crew that has to come, the TV guys. You know, all of these guys are going to have to stay in, in hotels there that have to be staffed by the hotel. And what are we going to do? So once somebody, you know, suppose uh, the guy making the food or somebody delivering the food uh, contracts the buy, like none of it, none of it made any sense to me. I, I appreciate what they're doing, um, but I, you know, without the whole quarantining thing, 30 teams with, you know, 40 guys, like it just, the I numbers just don't, don't make it up. Make sense. It no. doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. No, and and the, other, the other thing that, that's happened, as we alluded to earlier in the show, is Major League Baseball and the owners have an agreement already if, right. if the season isn't, isn't played. Right. 
So, you know, that and that is nobody is pushing it. it Right. And so that's kind of concerning for me, because mm -hmm. if you get into and, and by the way, if if they decided to play, let's say, start the season in July, and I don't even know if that's realistic, right. if they could play July in all of the stadiums. But let's just use that now. We use June. I don't know if that's realistic. anymore. I, I honestly don't. But let's use July. So right. you got 30 in July. You got 30 games in August. You got 30 games in September. And let's call it another 20 in October. I mean, that's a realistic way to play. And if you played all of July with no fans, yep. if back to normal, I'd much rather see them play 80 games, 90 games, 100 games in the real stadiums with the fans than have this pseudo season happening out in, in Arizona. And by the way, I'll probably, wherever the season is, eventually I'll probably have to go travel to see it. Like yep. as, as the media, like I'm going to go, I cover the Marlins. I'm going to be there. Yep. But, but even if they decided to play somewhere else, I'm okay with that also. But I just, the plan doesn't sound good. No. Um, and I wonder, Joe, I, this is what I wonder. I wonder if major league baseball has a number in mind of games that they're saying to themselves, if we can get this in, let's right. do it. But anything less is just not worth the investment of time. Right. And it and I and I think it would have been had they not come to this agreement. Right. But the fact that they already have something in place to 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 pay the players and not have to play the season, and they've already established that all the free agents like Mookie Betts, that's it. He he got his service time. He goes to free agency next year. So there's really <laughs> Sad, but there's really not no. a lot to accomplish if they can only get in a 40-game season or a 50-game season. I don't think we're going to have one at all if that's the case. I hope that a better plan is constructed. But as of right now, as we sit here in early April, I just I don't see a way. And, you know, it's interesting. 162 games um, allows you a little leeway here, which is a good thing for Major League Baseball. Like the NFL, they're in a position here where – they don't have to, you know, draw that line in the sand just yet. There is some options available. Anything can happen. Uh, but baseball also, unlike the NBA, if the NBA says, hey, let's September, we'll be done by, you know, let's say we play in August and uh, we start it. We are talking two months. Playoffs? Yeah, the playoffs, right? You, right? All right, so now we're talking August, September. Um, you're talking the season starts the following month. So if you're pushing yeah, you back. Yeah, and so that's why I'm saying with baseball, like we heard, hey, you know, World Series in Miami in November. So, all right, if are we pushing the season back uh, even more, or are we are we just saying, all right, come February, pitchers and catchers again? You know, that's you got true too. I. Yeah. What do you do? Because to me, I'd be okay with the NBA starting the season in December on in Christmas and play throughout the summer because it's only baseball in the NBA then. You know right, what I'm right. saying? And from but, this but point on... But are you on, saying that with, with, the, with them picking back up to play a playoff this year? I'm, yeah, I'm saying if you're going to play in the NBA and you're not going to finish until September, maybe October, your season then, to me, there's no point in starting again until December. Oh, you can't. Yeah, yeah you, you can't. can't. So at that point, I'm okay with it because why compete with the NFL for two months? You know what I mean? When you do right now, you think about it, you start in but December. You know what, Joe? They may look at it as just forget it and let's just start up again in October. I mean, that's, that's, well, that's what I the think. Well, that's they're... the other thing. Yes, that's the other thing where they say, you know what? Just wipe the season out. But if you're going to crown a champion, then you're also moving that because it's not just for this year. Then everything right, the has to change for next year. I don't know if that's the case with baseball. I think baseball has it. will have a cutoff date. They'll push it as long as they can. And then they'll just say, Start it back up in, in February. The question is, what is that date? How, right. when do they have I, to be I done? Think, I think, it, I think you got to start by August first. You have I to mean, start I, by I, August. I, okay. Assuming 30 games in August. Right. 30 games in September. September. And then another, let's say 20 in October. Okay. That's so, 80. And that's your half now, season. Now, now give every, now give everybody one extra game a week in double headers. And that okay. somehow can get you close to a hundred games. Okay. I mean, are they are they really going to play a baseball season with 50 games, Joe? And where are you going to, you know, that's the other problem is because now you're talking baseball in October and November in some places that are going to be not necessarily And conducive. then who knows even who's going to make the play? I mean, you could have uh, the, the Orioles make the yep. playoffs. Yep. In a 50-game season, why not? <laughs> I mean, maybe that's, that's good. Maybe people want too. that. I don't, if I don't I'm know. hockey, am I playing, am I playing Stanley I Cup in, in July or August? 
Am I playing hockey in August? Like, I don't, uh, am I? I don't know. I mean, that's the other question. What is the NHL going to do? Because you know they're two months worth of Stanley Cup playoff games. So you're going to be playing hockey in, in, in July and August? I, I, when do you start then? Now, do you push your season back? I, to me, each one of these leagues has to have the cutoff date, right? Whatever date that is, you, you go past that, it's not worth playing at all. Just scrap it and move on till next year. Yeah, and, and look, unfortunately, I think we're we maybe headed in that direction. I never thought that I'd be sitting here getting ready to say that, but we, right. we could possibly be headed in that direction. Uh, the one thing that we'll have coming up in a few weeks from now, we know for sure, even though yeah. uh, people like Adam Schefter of ESPN or, you know, seem to come out publicly against it in the coverage, is the NFL draft. And right. I know that you and I will be focused a lot on that in a couple of weeks from now. And and certainly it's going to be really interesting. We, you and I have tried to predict how this is going to go. Right. But I would ask you this. In the end, what we always remember from the NFL draft is the commissioner at the podium making the announcement. Right. Joe, here is the you. What, how is that going to happen? Is, is, is Roger Goodell going to be sitting like us, like in a room? Like 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 face to face making these announcements. Pretty much. Do you have any yep. that? Pretty much. And, and you're talking about now. From what we what we've heard over the weekend is that everyone, all the teams are actually individual guys. No war room. Everybody who would be instrumental in picking the guys is going to be at their own home, own camera, own situation. So it's not going to be a group of folks. It's going to be a lot of individual cameras, including. I'm thinking they said Roger Goodell is going to be obviously set up. That that might feel like a very studio-esque kind of thing there, kind of studio show. But the teams and the war rooms, they're all going to be at their own homes. Absolutely crazy. And I don't know how that's going to work. Tell you, I mean, could you imagine that? Could you honestly imagine that where Roger Goodell is sitting in his living room, <laughs> sitting in a lazy boy going, hey, uh, with the number three pick in the... <laughs> I, I got to see it. I think we'll be tolerant of just about anything to get that kind of reality television. But you and I both know, Craig, that's going to be just mind-blowing on a lot of levels. Yeah, Joe, it's going to look completely different. I don't think there's any doubt about that. There was an interesting report that came from CBS, by the way, speaking of things that look completely different, about the New England Patriots and what their quarterback situation could end up looking like. And lo and behold, a kid from our area... Uh, James Morgan, yeah. the quarterback at FIU, apparently, according to uh, different reports, that the Patriots are sort of eyeing him as a possibility at quarterback. And here's how you know that this is completely fake, because the Patriots don't let you ever know anything about any quarterback or any player in the NFL. Uh, so I'm I'm taking all these things with a grain of salt. The only thing that that... And I don't know what you can bet on or not at this point in terms of the NFL draft, Joe. You'd right. have to enlighten me. I've checked I checked on FanDuel over the last few days. I didn't see anything mm -hmm. uh, other than a few things like where Tua may end up. And I'm right. sure there'll be a lot more props in two weeks than they are now. But whatever prop it is that will the New England Patriots draft the quarterback, right. uh, the yes versus no, I'm sure there'll be long odds on uh, the yes, like minus 200. Yes. Maybe it's the rounds that, yep. that we'll have to try and sort out. But I think it's unequivocal that within the first seven rounds of this NFL draft, they're going to end up with some quarterback. I just don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, it's interesting, too. There was a couple of reports over the weekend I thought was fantastic. One of them from uh, former GM there, Scott Pioli, who was obviously he, that first three Super Bowls back there in the early 2000s. Um, that was with Scott as the architect with Bill Belichick. And he was asked about the current quarterback situation for him and the idea of maybe Cam Newton and Bill Belichick. And he was like, it's oil and water, guys. He's like, I I'm not saying it won't happen. He's like, but you're talking about Bill Belichick, who is, it's all about football, you know, and, and entertainment is the other, the 20% of it. It's 80% football. 20% entertainment, and he says, for Cam Newton, entertainment and football and fun is 50-50. So it's like, that is not going to work with Bill Belichick. And he said, it, really, there's no reason for him to have to. He, he likes Stidham, he said. He knows he likes Stidham over there. That's why he's still on the, uh, the roster, and they've done what they've done. So, you know, Belichick is hit on quarterbacks, guys. So Stidham might be the guy that gets the shot one way or the other here. Yeah, it's, it's, look, I mean, it, it, it could be. It's, I mean, it's the ultimate show mm -hmm. for New England to see if they can do this without Tom Brady. Yep. And through the years, 
New England has always had that guy waiting in the wings, whether it was Jimmy G or Hoyer at one point, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Matt Castle at one point, Ryan Mallett, I think, was another yep. one at one point. And they, they've always had that guy. This is the first year that they don't, right. which leads me to believe, again, that there's almost no way that Stidham just goes into the season without any competition. And it is really eerie. The fact that we are about two weeks away from this draft happening, and Stidham is still so um, that's your quarterback. Going to be interesting. Yeah, that's your quarterback, and don't be shocked, guys, if that's uh, if that's the situation. He also mentioned another thing about Andy Dalton. Like Andy Dalton is still under contract with the Bengals. I don't know if people realize this. A lot of people think Andy Dalton's a free agent. He's not. He's still under contract with Cincinnati, which means they'd have to somebody would have to trade for Andy Dalton. And Belichick is not trading for Andy Dalton. So, you know, if they want to release Dalton, then maybe Belichick will take a look at him. But, you know, Belichick is not going to go ahead and just pick up Andy, you know, trade for Andy Dalton. Uh, Not when he's got Stidham there and he's got Hoyer and, you know, he doesn't see any difference between any of them. If he does grab a quarterback in this draft, though, I think that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a year of uncertainty at the quarterback position with the New England Patriots. Yeah, Joe, it's a year of uncertainty, I think, for every team going into the NFL draft. But more so, of course, when you lose or you choose to lose the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, who is now a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, yeah, we'll see when the draft uh, draft comes up. And, by the way, here on SportsGrid, we're going to cover that draft a lot for you here. I don't even know what the word for a lot would be, but we'll be all over it by the time the draft kicks off in a couple of weeks. So make sure you stay tuned uh, to that. Uh, Also, just to give you a quick update, this week we're going to be covering one of my historical baseball drafts. It'll be the decade of 1990 through 1999, which a lot of people will acknowledge. Uh, Quite a few home runs Mm -hmm. were hit in that decade, especially at the end of the decade. So where will Mark McGuire go? Where will Sammy Sosa go in those classic seasons that they ended up having of 70 and 66 home runs. I think that will be interesting to follow, so make sure you tune in there. And also on tomorrow's show, it'll be April the 7th, so we'll cover all of the birthdays. We'll cover all of the day in sports. But most importantly, make sure you stay right here. Don't go anywhere, because a little bit later in the show, Scott Farrell is going to be along. He's going to carry you through the afternoon, coast to coast. And, of course, after that, we got some in-game live. Joe will be right back here tomorrow for the early line. And, uh, of course, the morning after as well. So that'll do it for our show today. For my co-host, Joe Ranieri, I am Craig Mish. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Fantasy Sports Today, right here on SportsGrid. Like, subscribe, and keep watching. We're doing this for you. Hopefully you guys have a great Monday. We'll talk to you at Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Have a great day, everybody. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.